Is it being a bad wife if I text Ryan and ask him to get me wine on his way home? No. Is that not what getting a husband's for? I mean, not technically. Is that not in the vows? Every day I tell him that there was different fine print in the vows. I was there. I can account for all of it. See, thank you. Thank you. Welcome back to Dinner and a Murder. We're your hosts. I'm Rose. And I'm Chelsea. And this is episode six. Yes, today we have a lot of content for you. Um, Yes, it is a very special, special episode near and dear to Chelsea and I's heart. Yes, (laughs) we were both raised in Delaware and today we have some Delaware content for you guys. Some really cool stuff. Because Delaware Day is coming up in two days when this comes out. Yes. Um, Delaware Day is on December 7th. So we decided to do a Delaware themed episode. So we both have, we're both going to talk today about stuff, about some famous Delaware true crime. We are. Um, I mean, Delaware has a lot of really good true crime, but we picked two specific stories to talk about today, and we will be coming back to Delaware true crime because there's some really good stuff that we didn't get to talk about. There's a lot of paranormal stuff with Delaware, too, but we just chose to do true crime this time because it turned out that there's a lot more information than we thought that there was out for our true crime, so Mm -hmm. we're just going to do paranormal Delaware some other time. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, Delaware was the first state to ratify the Constitution, in case you didn't know. And Delaware is an actual state, in case you didn't know. I know a lot of (laughs) Americans don't quite know that yet, but it is. For our international listeners. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. Oh, my God. We have four total countries now. Chelsea said Delaware is the first state. Every Delawarean, I feel like, if they go out of the state, always get the question, what state is Delaware in? So, guys, before I get into my case, I have a really amazing sandwich joint that I have to tell you about because I miss it so much not living in Delaware anymore. I would like to tell you about Capriati's Sandwich Shop. Woo! The best sandwich shop in the world. Everyone knows what a hoagie is, right? Is that just... No, hoagie, hoagie is a South Philly Jersey thing. Ooh, oops. Okay, it's so... Like a sub, sub sandwich. It is. Ho- hoagies are sub sandwiches. And they are the best invention that ever was. Next to crab cakes, but you already know how I feel about crab cakes. <laughs> so Capriati's makes this hoagie called a bobby... Ooh, my favorite. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. sorry. I am seriously (laughs) craving a bobby right now. I'm going to start drooling while I talk about it. So a bobby is a lovely cold hoagie with shaved turkey topped with... Real turkey. Real Real turkey. turkey. Not deli turkey. I'm talking turkey breast. Okay? Thanksgiving turkey breast. The good shit. (laughs) Topped with stuffing, Mm. some cranberry sauce... 
I mean, it's a very American sandwich. It's Thanksgiving on a bun. The bun is, the hokey roll is slathered with mayo, and then you got the mm. turkey and the stuffing and the cranberry sauce, and I'm about to start singing like Linda Belcher. There's only so many things I can eat, like, an excess of, because, like, I eat like a normal person. I don't overeat. But uh, I could eat like a whole bobby in oh one sitting. Oh my gosh, like, it's so They sell them in good. footlongs and honestly, I've never gotten in a footlong, but I feel like after I eat like half, like a six inch, I'm like, I could definitely eat another six inches. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you tell it's yourself so you're good. only going to eat this much and then it just... It's so good. And then I start putting potato going. chips in it like a weirdo and I'm just like, it's, it's still good. <laughs> So, I mean, oh, that, yes. That but, might be sacrilege, uh, but I put. No, I agree. If you put potato sometimes. chips in a bobby, that's delicious. But when I first had it, I was like, oh my God, never going back. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's like the leftover Thanksgiving sandwich that you make from yes. all of the homemade food you have at home. And it's, they serve it year round. So you yes. can have it whenever you want and time. it's and amazing. like the fact that it's a real carved turkey yes it's not like, like deli meat turkey <laughs> it's not deli meat turkey it's real shredded turkey and capriotti's is just an amazing sandwich shop they've been a delaware staple since 1976 and they don't just sell the bobby they also sell other you know, deli oh, sandwiches that you would want to get. They have mm. the classic Philly cheesesteak. You can't go yes. wrong. Yes. The cheese, I think Capriotti's cheesesteak is the only one that you can get outside of Philly that's like. The really good. Yeah. Yes. Like it's like edible. Like you can't. Authentic. It's not as good as Philly cheesesteaks, obviously, but it's the best you can get outside of Philly for sure. Okay, now we're starving. Can you get to the the gore and the macabre so I can stop being hungry? <laughs> oh my god, my pizza! Oh my god, my no! pizza! Damn it! Go I'll get your bed. Go get your pizza. Stand by. All right, today. <laughs> Are you done? Yeah, I'm done. I'm waiting for you. Okay. Today, I am going to tell you the story of Thomas Capano. Ooh. Hmm. Everybody in Delaware is like, oh my God, I know him. I know him. <laughs> yes. Thomas Capano was born to Louis J. Capano Sr. and Marguerite Capano in 1949. He was the second of the couple's five children and their oldest son. Damn. Two years prior to his birth in 1947, Capano's father started his real estate development business, Capano Management, which has been going strong ever since. Wait, is it still going strong? Very much so. Under uh, the same name? Yes. I'm sorry. Uh, when everybody else finds out what happens, they're going to be like, what? All right, continue. I'm sorry. <laughs> Capano, Thomas, that is. Broke away from the family business and became a well-known and respected lawyer in Delaware. Mm -hmm. He was very prominent and trusted in the Delaware political community. Uh, fun fact, my mom moved to Delaware in 1988. She said that when she moved there, 
I mean, Thomas was at the height of his career around that time, like late 80s, early 90s. So Mm -hmm. he was quoted in all of the newspapers. And she said that if you read an article that quoted Thomas Capano, you knew that it was trustworthy and that you could rely on that, the information in that article. So can confirm. (laughs) Can confirm. Can confirm. I wasn't there, but... My family is from Delaware, so can't confirm. (laughs) Yes, it is ingrained in our psyche as Delawareans. In 1972, Capano married Kay Ryan, and the couple had four daughters together. In 1994, at the age of 45, Capano began an affair with 28-year-old Anne-Marie Fahey. (gasps) Say isn't so. It is so. I mean, let's think about that age gap for a second. If that's Wait, not, how old was she? She I'm was sorry. 28 and he was 45. That's a more than 15 <laughs> year. That's Wait, what, 17 what year, year age gap. This was in 1994 that they met. Okay, okay. Interesting, interesting. Tell me more. I shall tell you more. Anne-Marie Fahey was born in 1966 to parents Robert and Kathleen Fahey. Hmm. She didn't really have a very pleasant childhood. Uh, Her parents passed away when she was young. Her mother died when she was nine. I believe she died of cancer, breast cancer. So sad. Yeah, it really is sad. She was so she was nine when she lost her mother, and then her father passed away when she was twenty. From what I understand, her father did not handle her mother's passing well. So he turned to alcohol after her mother's death. Mm. He really, he became an alcoholic. He was abusive, very emotionally abusive. So she took every opportunity that she could to stay out of the house. She was very active in extracurriculars in high school Anything that she could do to keep her out of the house. She was very social. She was very active in sports and in her community. And as a result, she was very, very well known and very loved in her community. She knew everyone and everyone knew and loved her in return. At the time she met Capano, Fahey was the scheduling secretary for then Delaware Governor Tom Carper. A secretary. A secretary. She was the scheduling secretary. That's a very hard job. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, how cliche could Capano be, you know? Oh, I know. Well, it wasn't his secretary. I know it wasn't his secretary, but they always go after a secretary or some other person who, like, employment-wise, professionally-wise, is their subordinate. Mm -hmm. And it just irritates me. Like, don't do it. If you're a man... Don't go after somebody who's your subordinate. If you're even if you're a woman or anything between, don't don't do it. If you think maybe you should, don't. <laughs> I mean, in this case, she didn't work. She didn't work for Capano. She worked for the Thank governor. Thank you for my TED talk. Yes, I appreciate your TED talk. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for for that. So she wasn't his secretary, but she he was, was not. His secretary, she was secretary to the governor. However, Tom did work very closely with the governor. But since Anne-Marie wasn't directly employed by Capano, it's not like she felt, you know, some professional peer pressure to say yes to him or anything like that. We will get into (laughs) Mr. Capano's toxic traits momentarily. Continue. I'm sorry. (laughs) Yes. Well, you know, a toxic trait in and of itself is that he was having an affair outside of his marriage. Yes. 
During his affair with Fahey, Capano separated from his wife and rented a house for himself. Oh, okay. But if you think this is a redeeming thing for him, slow your roll. Hold your horses. <laughs> Hold your horses. Hold your horses because even though he separated from his wife, Capano also had a second mistress who he had been involved with for about 15 years prior to meeting Fahey. For those keeping track, that means that he was involved in an extramarital affair within the first decade of his marriage. It's like the movie The Other Woman. He's married, he has a girlfriend, and he has like a, a side chick or like huh. whatever. Spoiler alert, that's what that movie's about. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'll call the, technically she's the first mistress. I'm going to call her Jane Doe just because this poor woman has gone through it. When it comes to Thomas Capano, she does not need me saying her name anymore. And neither of his two mistresses knew about the other. Wow. So that's fun. In September 1995, um, this was probably about a year after Capano and Fahey began their affair, she began a relationship with Michael Scanlon after the governor set them up on a blind date. At this point, or possibly sooner, Fahey expressed to Capano that she wanted to end their relationship. Because she was probably hitting it off with this Michael guy. She really was. For one thing, not only was this a relationship that she could talk to her friends about, it wasn't an affair with a married man. She He was probably closer in age, too, right? Yes, he was her age. He you know, wasn't involved in anything scandalous like an affair. So she could talk to her family and friends about him. She was quoted as telling her very close friends and family that she thought he was the one. She had spoken about marriage with him and settling down and having kids. She really, she was falling head over heels for this guy. And for our Delawareans, Scanlon worked at MBNA. For those of you that don't know, MBNA was the Maryland National Bank. Uh, It has since been bought out by Bank of America, but at the time, it was the world's largest independent credit card issuer headquartered in Delaware. It was one of the largest employers in Delaware for several decades. Both Mm -hmm. of my parents and my grandfather worked there. And my mom worked there around the same time as Scanlon. She said that the two of them were acquaintances. And my mom said she remembers Michael's reaction to Anne-Marie going missing, which is just absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can't imagine. That leads us to Anne-Marie's disappearance, which is absolutely heartbreaking. So... Nothing is known about the circumstances of Anne-Marie's murder, but here is the timeline of events as we know it. In May 1996, Capano asked his mistress, Jane Doe, to buy a gun for him to protect himself from someone that wanted to extort him. That's what he told her anyway. On June 27th, which is my mom's birthday, which is why she followed this case so closely, Fahey agreed to go to dinner with Capano in Philadelphia. This is the last time she was ever seen alive. On June 30th, 
Fahey was reported missing by her family. Her disappearance rocked the community. Like I said earlier, she was so well-loved by everyone in the community. She was a very active member in, in the North Delaware community. And less than a week after her disappearance, over 300 people came out to help look for her. Wow. It's absolutely insane. Just a few days after she disappeared, her family issued a $10,000 reward leading to any information about her. She was very close to her family. I mean, they reported her missing so quickly. They reported her missing only three days after her disappearance because of their closeness. They knew that she never would have skipped town without telling them. This was so uncharacteristic of her. Yeah. And if it had happened probably in this day and age, they might have reported it earlier because she might have been like, it sounds like she's the type of girl that might or woman that might have like texted her parents like almost every day, you know, like exactly whether it be, yes. like, the dumbest things, you know, like, oh, did you do this or whatever? It just sounds like, yeah, that she'd be that type of person that if she had gone missing in this day and age, they would have reported it like within 24 hours. Yeah, something was up. exactly. She was in constant communication with her sister, especially she and her sister yeah. were very, very close. They had an amazing relationship. Her boyfriend, Michael, actually called her house phone, of course, because there weren't cell phones yet. <laughs> Landlines. Called her landline <laughs> the day after she disappeared. And he didn't oh think God. anything of it about not getting a response. So he left a voicemail. He knew that he would see her the next day. But of course, when she did not show up to their commitment the next day, that's when everyone really got worried because that was so yeah. uncharacteristic. Um, Anne-Marie was actively seeing a therapist at this time as well for her depression. She also had an eating disorder, which was starting yeah. was starting to sur- resurface because of her involvement with Tom Capano. He was really mm-hmm. stressing her out, and it caused a flare in her eating disorder. So when she went missing, her therapist told police that she was afraid of Capano. Anne-Marie would never have gone to his house willingly because of that fear. Her therapist theorized that she may have gone to dinner with him in order to officially break off their relationship. In like a public space, obviously. Exactly, exactly. Yes, in a public space so that he couldn't do anything to her. She had written in her diary at this point that he was a very angry, manipulative person. He would do anything to keep the women in his life subdued. Mm. It just sounds like that stereotypical lawyer type big shot that you always see like in movies and TV shows where they're super controlling in every aspect of their life. These hotshot, really rich lawyers, they're really like these pinnacles of their job or the community and then they are super, super controlling of their women. You just, it just seems like even now we don't even, you haven't even gotten to stuff that happened, but he just sounds like that stereotype that you're so used to seeing on TV shows and movies. Yes, absolutely. He, and I'll touch more on this in a little bit, but he was a prime, he was the poster boy for toxic masculinity. uh, I mean, I I can't even get into it yet, but, all right. In July, the FBI joined the investigation to search for Anne Marie. Damn. 
the FBI and local authorities spent over 11 hours searching Capano's home and property. They found two spots of blood in his home, which were later proven to be Anne Marie's. On August 5th, just over a month after her disappearance, Capana was officially named the prime suspect of the investigation. Somehow, Anne Marie's diary was released to the local newspaper, the News Journal. Of course. Of <laughs> the News course. Journal. The News Journal is oh just quintessential in Delaware. Everyone reads the News Journal. Yeah, it's the only, I think it's the only statewide uh, newspaper that we have. Well, there's Delaware Online now, but that's yeah, a but subsidiary like the, of the yeah, News yeah. Journal, so... Anyway, the police were already suspicious of Capano, but the diary entries made them even more so. Mm -hmm. Up to this point, Capano had had the support of the public. I mean, like I, I said earlier, he was so trusted. He was so ingrained in in the political life in Delaware. Everyone trusted him. Everyone knew who he was. Yeah. It's kind of like the the Bidens, like Joe Biden. Yes, exactly. Was, I mean, the he was Bidens. Our senator, yeah, at the time, yeah, he was a senator, I think, at the time, um, and he was somebody that, like, still people are like, yeah, everybody, like, if you're a lawyer in Delaware, you kind of know who Joe Biden is, like, you met him, and lots of people have met Joe Biden, so it's kind of like that with with Capano. At least that's the way that my family describes it. Is that Capano was like a Biden, a little bit more accessible because he was. In the state, you know, he wasn't a senator going to Washington every day. He was an attorney here in Delaware who was super accessible and everybody knew him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Delawarean community, especially the Newcastle County community, mm -hmm. is it's a very tight knit thing. I mean, yes. anyone in Delaware has two connections from someone else. I mean, most of the population of Delaware lives in Newcastle County, so... Yeah. Majority of our population is in Newcastle County, and we're also the smallest county, so it's like everybody is closer together than the other two counties where you're a little bit more spread out. You can't help but know somebody who knows somebody. So up to this point, Capano had the support of the public. No one believed that a man in his position, a man that was so trusted and so ingrained in the community, could ever do something so awful. A family man at that, too. A like. family man. Yes, exactly. He had four daughters. He had a wife at home. Like, he couldn't possibly be guilty of this. However, the publication of Anne Marie's diary entries painted Capano in a different light. They began to lose faith in him. The public began to lose faith in him. But the Capano family was still fiercely in his corner. Suspicion fell solely on Capano. After the diary entries came out and circumstantial evidence began to come to light, there was no question in anyone's mind that Capano was the only person that could have done this. Everyone in the state at this point knew that Capano killed Anne-Marie, but the evidence was all circumstantial at this point. The police couldn't mm -hmm. do anything about it. Being a lawyer himself, he knew how to get rid of evidence and he did almost a flawless job. Almost. Those two drops of blood, right? Or yes, two drops of blood were found in his house. And I actually, I watched a dramatized film about the case that had a scene where the police found the blood in his home. 
And he said in the film, I have four daughters. That could be anything. Oh, wow. Exactly. So. Yeah. He was really good at manipulating people and trying to bring people to his point of view. He was and very, just for clar- clarification, they haven't found a body at this point. No, no, there's still nope. no body. But at this point, she's been missing for so long that the investigation has changed from a missing person's investigation to a murder investigation. Yeah. Investigators knew that the Capano family knew more than they were letting on, but they all (laughs) refused to speak to police. Based on paper trails, they knew that at least two of the Capano brothers were complicit in the cover-up, if not the murder itself. Oh, that's right. I completely, I'm sorry, I completely forgot about that. Finally, the investigators threatened to bring drug charges on Gerard Capano, Thomas's youngest brother. But mm. they offered him immunity if he agreed to give up any information leading to Thomas's arrest. Mm. So, facing drug charges, baby brother cracked. <laughs> On November 8th, 1997, Jerry Capano confessed to authorities that he had helped Thomas dispose of a body. Based on the physical evidence and testimony from Capano's brothers, at this point, two of his brothers had spoken to police implicating him in the murder of Anne-Marie Fahey. So, based on their testimonies and the very little physical evidence that they had at the time, we can infer that after dinner on June 27th, Capano took Fahey back to his rented house. He murdered her in the living room. He then stuffed her body into a large white cooler. He called Jerry and asked to use his boat. The brothers took the boat about 60 miles offshore and dumped the cooler in the water. When the cooler wouldn't sink, Thomas told Jerry to shoot it. The cooler still wouldn't sink, so Thomas fished it out of the water, removed Anne-Marie's body, and attached the boat's anchor chain to her. She finally sank to the bottom of the ocean. They took the boat off the coast of New Jersey, 60 miles off the coast of New Jersey, to a part of the ocean that they knew was shark infested. Uh, Okay, okay, okay. I, like, know about the case, but, like, the specifics I don't. So I thought they, like, dumped her in the Delaware River. So I'm like, the ocean. (laughs) This case is something that is so deeply ingrained in the psyche of Delawareans at this point. It's, I'll get to it in a moment. He disconnected the boat's anchor and tied it around her body so that she finally sank into the ocean. Her body was never recovered to this day. How old was she? She was 30 at the time that she died. If you remember, I said that Jerry Capano confessed to police about disposing a body on November Mm -hmm. 8th. On November 12th, Thomas Capano was arrested and charged with the murder of Anne-Marie Fahey. Good. Backtracking a little bit, on July 4th, 1996, one week after Anne-Marie's disappearance, an empty cooler with bullet holes in it was found by a local fisherman. Yeah. At this point, he didn't think anything of it. He patched up the hole and he used the cooler. Why waste a good cooler, right? 
However, on November 14th, two days after Capano's arrest for the murder, when he heard about Capano's arrest and the murder charges, he realized that the cooler was crucial evidence to the case, and he turned it over to police. And no body? Like, that's... Yes, and it, it was... The craziest thing of this whole case is no body. Yes, and it was such a highly publicized case. I mean, rumors, of course, ran wild. There was um, also a rumor um, at the time, of course, Capano was a part of the Capano family, and the Capano family was known for real estate management. At the time, mm-hmm. the Capano company was building a new Home Depot right across from Christiana Hospital. And my mom said, yes, 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 yes. Yes. My it's mom told there, me, yes. My mom told me there were crazy rumors running around that he might have dumped her body in the cement foundation of Home Depot. And they were scared that, you know, they would have to stop construction and dredge up the foundation of this new Home Depot that was going up to try to find her body. Uh, Yeah, I actually remember. I remember that, too. So a lot of information came out at his trial. One factoid that came out give it to me was that jane doe his other mistress that he'd been involved Mm -hmm. with for almost two decades she began speaking to police around the time that he was arrested from the time of Anne marie's murder to the early days of his trial jane doe wholeheartedly believed that capano was innocent she even sent love letters to his prison cell while he was awaiting trial Capano sensed that Jane Doe was beginning to doubt him. To keep her from speaking against him, he tried, unsuccessfully, thankfully, to hire a hit on her. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. My mind is blown. I've had a little bit of wine. This is, like, crazy. (laughs) I know. Is this not absolutely insane? It sounds like a soap opera. This is my childhood true crime story. Like, I'm getting the deets, guys. Like, I'm... I don't know what to say right now. I'm st- I'm, I'm going to listen <laughs> but as so, best as I can. <laughs> moral of that story is that he was unsuccessful. The guy that he tried to hire God. to have a hit on Jane Doe actually wound up going to police with that information and saying, um, so Capano's a pretty shady dude. I think you I should look into this. Me, I thought you were going to tell me he was like an undercover cop and I was going to be like, whoa, this is even crazier. <laughs> no, uh, he was not an undercover cop, but he did go directly to the police with the information that Capano gave him. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> so Thomas Capano's trial began on October 26th, 1998. Damn. It was... An absolutely insane case. Um, You mentioned this earlier. They tried Thomas Capano with no body, no murder weapon, and no Mm -hmm. crime scene. Everything was, as far as I understand it, everything was circumstantial. Yes, it was. All they had was a paper trail. They had receipts that he had bought an igloo Mm -hmm. cooler, that he had bought a new rug for his living room and a new sofa. Mm -hmm. He Mm -hmm. disposed of the bloody rug in a Capano construction dumpster. He asked his brother to have the dumpsters taken early to the dump. Is this this Jerry again? No, 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 no. No. This is a different brother, and I can't remember his name at the moment. He's not in my notes, but... 
he, at the request of Thomas, had the dumpsters disposed of outside of their normal schedule. So the police Mm. noticed that in the paperwork, and they went and searched two local dumps top to bottom to try to see if there was a body there. They did not find any evidence from those searches, but it is speculated that Thomas disposed of the bloody rug and the murder weapon in that dumpster. What was even crazier than the lack of evidence was Capano's version of events that he presented as his defense. Here's what he told the jury happened to Anne-Marie Fahey. I'm ready. He claimed that while he had disposed of Anne-Marie's body, he had not killed her. He wove this really long, complicated story about how Jane Doe had caught he and Anne-Marie having sex and that Jane Doe pulled a gun on herself to commit suicide after having seen such a such a thing. While Capano, we were dramatic. Of course, of course, we're dramatic and we always turn to death first thing, right? Oh, my God. While Capano tried to wrestle the gun from Jane Doe, it fired and killed Anne-Marie. He said that he'd covered up the murder in order to protect Jane Doe because, wait for it, because he loved her. Wait for me as I barf. It's terrible. Mm. Well, thankfully, the jury did not believe that stupid story. They found him guilty of first-degree murder in January 1999. Oh, my God. So, this is, I'm sorry. Fast and speedy trial. My ass. Yeah, no, I Not think... Not that he deserved a speedy trial, but she deserved justice a lot quicker. She absolutely did. I believe I read that his trial lasted 14 weeks, of which he testified on his own behalf for eight days. Oh, my God. Against the advice of his lawyers. Three days after he was found guilty of first-degree murder, he was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Good. Yeah, well, about that. Um, In 2006, Capano's death sentence was commuted to life in prison. His lawyers petitioned for the death penalty to be thrown out because the jury was not unanimous on the recommendation of the death penalty for Capano. In his initial trial, the jury voted 11 to 1 in favor of the death penalty. He was also the only inmate on Delaware's death row to have his sentence commuted because his was the only decision that was not unanimous. Just to insert my little personal story, my uncle was a correctional officer at the time that Capano was in prison, mm-hmm. and he worked on the cell block that Capano was residing, I guess you could say. Yep. And I don't have too much about it because I'm not really close with that uncle, but I do know that he definitely had a lot better treatment and had been kind of segregated from other inmates, obviously, because he was an attorney, assistant attorney general. So he put a lot of people away that were in prison. Uh Uh-huh. So he obviously needed to be kind of separated from them for his own safety. Yes. Uh, But he definitely had better treatment and better sway over the correctional officers because he had money and because of the 
the status that he had. So that's my little like personal tidbit about it. Yes. Well, <laughs> perfect timing because I was getting to that. And you are right. He was segregated. I'm not sure about his uh, situation in prison after his sentence was commuted to life. But while he was on death row, he was in isolation in his cell for 23 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Well, you know, going from being a rich, prominent man in high society to prison takes a toll on the psyche. On September 19th, 2011, Capano was found dead in his cell at the James T. Vaughn Correctional Center in Smyrna, Delaware. Mm -hmm. He had died of sudden cardiac arrest, most likely caused by his obesity. Which, if you have seen pictures of him, he is very clearly not obese. Capano, no. when he had his freedom, uh, was a very proud person. He took a lot of pride in his physique and his appearance. Yep. But when he was sent to jail, all that went out the window. His weight really ballooned after the death sentence was overturned. Like, when he knew yeah. he was going to spend the rest of his life there, I, I mean, he, he just ate everything, apparently. Judge William Swain Lee, who sentenced Capano to death, said that it was, quote, suicide by food. Judge Lee said, quote, he ate himself to death. There's no question about it. His father died of a heart attack, and he knew he had a heart condition. Once his appeals ran out, I think it was suicide by food, unquote. Hmm. So his depression in prison really you know, manifested itself in food abuse. And I mean, I guess you could say it was an eating disorder of his own. Crimey of King River. Yeah, he definitely did it. It does sound like I am not a psychologist. This is just based off of what I've learned in my undergrad in criminology. It sounds like he Definitely had, like, maybe narcissistic personality disorder. Um, And they tend to have really low self-esteem about themselves, but they also have, like, this... They, like, project this grandiose, like, vision and version of themselves. So... Funny that you should mention that. It makes sense. I watched a very interesting video with one of Capano's lawyers from his trial. Among other things, he said something that really struck me. He said, quote, about Capano, he could be charming and affable when he wanted to be. But when Tom did not get what he wanted, when he wanted it, his mind closed and he would be ruthless in terms of getting what he wanted. And he had the sense that everyone owed him fealty or loyalty to everything because he was such a good person to them. Yeah, yeah, that sounds, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Like I said, I'm not a psychologist. I can't diagnose him. He's also dead, so you can't posthumously diagnose somebody. But yeah, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with you. He was, he was such a toxic person. I mean, I said this earlier, but Anne-Marie wrote in her diary that he was toxic and manipulative and she needed mm -hmm. to get out of the relationship. There's definitely a cycle of abuse in there, too. Absolutely. 100 percent. And I watched a film about this case, which we're going to the pop culture stuff. We are jumping right into pop culture right now. So, okay, 
there is a book that was published in 1999 written by Anne Rule, who, if you don't know, is a really awesome true crime author. You should definitely read her. Yeah, I definitely know her. I, de- I definitely know her name. Yeah. She wrote a book called And Never Let Her Go, Thomas Capano, The Deadly oh, Seducer. Yeah. It, yeah, it got really good reviews. The book did. It got a 4.3 out of 5 from Barnes & Noble and a 4.5 out of 5 Ooh. from Google Books. And it was a- it was very quickly adapted into a film. It was mm. adapted into a two-part made-for-TV film, which aired mm-hmm. on April 1st, 2001. And Ooh. it starred... I'm ready for it. Mark Harmon as <gasps> Thomas what? Capano. Yup. What? And Catherine. The, the zaddy of NCIS? What do you yes. mean? <laughs> well, he's also a murderer. Fun fact. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mark Harmon is not a murderer. Mark, he plays a murderer Mark really Harmon's well. Mark Harmon's a murderer. <laughs> and Catherine Morris plays Anne-Marie Fahey. Mm, I don't know that name. I didn't either, but she was a very good actress. I thought she did a I thought she did a great job. You're doing great. This sweetie. film scored six point three out of ten on IMDB. That's it, pretty good. It is, right? It does not have a critic's Rotten Tomato score, but it does have an audience score of sixty one percent. And of course, Google for the win, ninety five percent. I wanna meet the people who thumbs up on Google. Like, what are their standards? I know. I mean, Google is always in like the 90 to 99 range. Who is voting on these? So if you want to watch this film, do not look it up on Amazon because you'll pay 120 some odd dollars for a DVD copy. What? Fun fact. But Jesus. it is available for free on YouTube. Thankfully, hopefully no one, you know, calls copyright on it and takes it down because it was a really interesting watch. Is it not part of the public, was it public domain or something like that? No, it's on, it's on YouTube and I don't even remember the channel name that I found it on, but it was, you know, one of those YouTube videos where they like changed the uh, screen resolution to get away with the copyright thing. Oh, my favorite is when they flip the thing backwards oh like, yes when they mirror it that's fun or when they or when they put it in a thumbnail doing? in the corner of the screen yeah no i feel Ugh. like that one's even worse yes. a few of the names were changed in the film but the capano and fahey family names were all correct the first half of the film was about Capano and Fahey's relationship from their meeting up to her murder. The second Ooh. half covered the police investigation up to Capano's arrest and the discovery of the cooler, which was their their prime evidence. That was their this, o- it was their only piece of physical evidence, really. This cooler, man, I'm telling you. <laughs> and this cooler, I mean, the the prosecutors really made a show of this cooler mm-hmm. in trial. They marched it in to the courthouse like it was a casket. Well, they really didn't have anything else. And it was her casket. I mean, like if you think about it, it, it like, was. And they wanted the jury to feel that this poor woman had been murdered and then unceremoniously thrown into this cooler, which it didn't even end up being her final resting place. 
I'm not sure how much of the story was taken from the case and how much was fictionalized. Um, I imagine that the first half of the film had to be played up a little bit, played up a little bit, because the only thing um, that's really known about Capano and Fahey's relationship comes from Fahey's diary entries. Yeah. And that could be kind of fluffed up, like when you're in the heat of it all. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, I mean, I remember looking back at my old diary says. entries and going, what the hell was I thinking when I wrote that? <laughs> yeah, you kind of have like these rose colored glasses, regardless of how old mm-hmm. you are in the beginning of a relationship. Absolutely. Um, I mean, she thought that she was in love with him. She thought that he was the perfect man. Um, mm-hmm. And then, of it's course, good that she kept the diary because I don't keep a fucking diary. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and, and she and I mean, she thought that Capano was her ideal man. And then she met Michael Scanlon and she realized, wow, this is what I've been missing out on all this time. Um, the first yes. half is narrated by Anne Marie, and it seems like she's reading her diary entries in these narrations. So it's a lot like viewing this relationship through her eyes. Yeah. The second part starts out from her boyfriend's perspective in the first five minutes. Um, In the film, his name is changed from Michael to Danny. And then it's told from a more omniscient perspective for the rest of the part two. Uh, which is a general narrative. Yeah, it's I mean, I found it a bit jarring because the first five minutes it's it's 100% her boyfriend's perspective and then it cuts it's kind of like a a zoom out I guess because it goes right from him which is a very personal perspective to omniscient view yeah I was I was was gonna guess that it would be from Capano's view which I was like but I mean I guess that's fine too but like you said it does sound like it's a bit jarring like you need to be consistent exactly yeah it it was a bit jarring it was a bit from capano's perspective but i say it was omniscient because it cuts between scenes with capano with his family where he's really talking about oh my gosh how am i gonna hide this murder to (sighs) the investigators who are like oh my gosh how are we gonna pin this on him so it cuts back and forth between those two perspectives, which is why I say it's more of an omniscient thing, because you can see both sides and both people's thoughts. Mark Hammond, how could you? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Otherwise, it was a really captivating film. I feel like I oh. learned a lot about the case and a lot about, you know, the kind of person that Thomas Capano was. Obviously, it was a dramatization, but... Ha- yeah. But how could you drama up a soap opera? I don't understand. My point exactly. It was already <laughs> it was already such a dramatic situation. And I yeah. I feel like Mark Harmon really did an amazing job portraying a really disgusting person. He's a pretty incredible actor. I've never seen him in a bad guy role though, so He's amazing. I'm Amazing in in this role, in my personal opinion. I definitely recommend watching it. Okay. Okay. Yes. I'm not going to spend $100 for it, but yeah, okay. Yeah, I know. Hopefully it's it's in YouTube UK, so. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yes, I will see if I can find that YouTube link again and try to post it in the blog. 
But uh, otherwise, there are several books written about the case, which were all published around 98 to 2000. Um, I'm just going to list off some of these titles. There, There isn't really much to talk about. I mean, they all cover the, yeah. same, the same information. Um, but... In 1998, Brian Karam published Above the Law, which got good reviews online. I've ne- heard of that one. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really popular one. Um, next, in 1999, was The Summer Wind, Thomas Capano, and the Murder of Anne-Marie Fahey. After mm-hmm. that, in November 99, was Fatal Embrace, the story of Thomas Capano, Anne-Marie Fahey murder case. I think I've heard of that one yeah that one is also a very popular one i believe 48 hours did a special of the same title which i tried to find online but it looks like it's been taken down so i'm pretty disappointed yeah, about that it's but, kind of old and it's also delaware so like everyone's like oh we don't yeah, care anymore <laughs> exactly um but if anyone can find a video for the fatal embrace episode uh, involving Thomas uh, Capano, please send it to us because I really want to watch it. Um, I have a couple of fun facts to rattle off before we go to our part two and do our little mini sign off. Please do. Um, but okay, so for anybody who doesn't know, Delaware has the nickname as the Diamond State. That is not because there's diamonds in Delaware for anybody who's like, yes, I'm going to go there and struck. No, there's diamond not. instead there's of striking not. gold. There's no diamonds there. Thomas Jefferson called Delaware the diamond state because he believed that Delaware was a small and valuable jewel, which Aww. we were, um, and we still are. Obviously. Um, for a very long period of time, we produced the ammunitions and the guns that people used in the wars and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... Okay, Chelsea's going to love this one. Delaware, although sadly it's not anymore, is home to the famous World Championship Pumpkin Chunkin' Contest. Oh, I miss Pumpkin Chunkin'. Oh, I never got to go. Okay, so um, for anybody who may not know, the title is the description of what it is. Basically, it was in our math books, too. It was um, literally a word math problem in our textbooks. Yes. Okay, in our so McGraw-Hill textbooks. People used to build catapults to fling chunkins. Pumpkins. <laughs> they used to chuck pumpkins is what I was trying to say, but like my brain was like, chunkins. That's um, pumpkin chunkin. <laughs> They used to chuck pumpkins using a catapult, like, I mean, like, old school, like, medieval catapult. Uh, But they had to build their own catapults. They had to build it. So it was basically, like, a math and physics things, which it, okay, the little nerd in me, the little five-year-old nerd in me, when I learned about what pumpkin chunking was, was, like, oh my god, this is the actual, like, application of math and science all in one. And I'm not lying. That's not an exaggeration. I was literally, like, a young child who was, like, ready to go see Pumpkin Chunkin' to see math and science at work. Sadly, because of lawsuits and stuff, and people can't, well, have fun anymore, and Americans... Well, I mean, someone... Someone kind of died, so... Oh, my God. One person dies and nobody can have fun anymore. Um, (laughs) Sarcasm. 
Um, we did have a shout out to do. We do. And I meant I meant to do it at the beginning, and I feel bad that I forgot. But it's okay. We have a new patron on Patreon, and Our I first mean, one. I'm so uh, happy. I mean, near I have dear to my heart. Yeah, I mean, I tr- I have no idea who this woman is. Um, Kim. Kim, Kim do you know her, Rose? Kim Fuston? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I don't know. it's strange because my mom, her name is Kim. No way. And my last name is Fuston. Mm, Whoa. Interesting. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, thanks, Mom. We love you. Thanks, Mom. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being our first patron. Patreon on a Patreon. Um, yes, yes. And if you guys are interested in our Patreon, you can find the link to it in our link tree in the description. Yes. Uh, and like we said, this is going to be a part tour. Uh, so this is the part one of the Delaware series. Um, the second episode comes out on Saturday the 7th, which is actually Delaware, Delaware Day. Day. Yeah, we weren't anticipating <laughs> that. We actually didn't think that we would talk this much, so. I know, we but we had, <laughs> it was, it's such a personal kind of story. Like, you can't help but, like, interject. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I know, I know. So, um, yes, this is a two-part episode. Yes. And part two will come out on Saturday the 7th, so keep an eye out for that. Um, so I guess we will see you guys in two days. Yeah, we'll see you soon. Um, if you (laughs) would like any more information on Thomas Capano, there is a lot more information on Thomas Capano and the Anne-Marie Fahey murder case, which will be in our blog that you can check out, uh, via our link tree in the description. And of course, look out for part two coming out in a few days. Yep, and we'll have all kinds of fun stuff on our blog about Thomas Capano and Capriotti's. I know that was like forever ago when you guys were like, oh, yes, I'm drooling over this Bobby. But now we're crying over poor Miss Fahey's uh, fate. But yes, if you would like to see us, we have our LinkedIn tree um, with all of our links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, our YouTube channel, all that fun stuff. Keep an eye out for second episode, two days, okay? Part two. <laughs> Part two. I think we've said that five times now. We've we've drilled uh, it in so Five times. I just want to make sure that you guys listen to me talk, because obviously I didn't talk enough in this episode. You just have to have the last <laughs> word, don't you? You're so rude. Okie dokie. Anyway. Thank you for listening. We'll see you guys on Saturday. You want to do it at the same time this time? All right, let's try. Let's try. All right, we'll do count on three. Okay. One. Two, three. Bon, bon appetit. appetit. Yeah. <laughs> we did it. Okay, bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>